and reading, at their very best, are a social experience. Whether it be a book club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your host, Carrie. We've been in a book club together for over a decade and enjoy talking about what we're reading, but in so many ways, we are opposites. Carrie is a cat lover, but I'm a dog nut. Amy loves a good party, while I prefer to wear my fuzzy socks while introverting on the couch. But books are the tie that binds. Each week, we have fun conversations with interesting people about how books and reading influence their lives. We will find out what books are on their nightstands and ask them about five things that make them who they are. We invite you to learn more about the many perks of being a book lover. 2020 has been one for the books, hasn't it? See my pun there? A worldwide pandemic, a truly historic election, racial unrest, murder hornets, shortages of toilet paper, and massive fires in California are just a few of the weird things that happened this year. We all took solace where we could. For book lovers like us, it usually meant a book, but could also include new hobbies like puzzles and baking for me, crocheting for Carrie, and wine for the both of us. For this last episode of 2020, Carrie and I decided to talk about some notable books that we didn't have a chance to talk about during the year and also take a look forward to 2021 to some books we are anxious to read. Technology has really been messing with us at the end of 2020. Several pieces we recorded didn't work or disappeared or just plain sucked. Anything that could go wrong did, so we had to get creative with this episode. And like many things about 2020, that creativity to do something different sometimes makes something better. I hope in this case, this episode is better than the one we started with before the gremlins inside our computer got a hold of it. Even though this episode has been a beast to put together, it also brought joy because we have a treat as well. We asked several former guests to tell us their favorite reads of 2020. Hearing the voices of friends of the show brings back good memories, and I hope it will be the same for you. We will be taking a few weeks off. While we're gone, we will replay some older episodes that we think deserve another listen. Then we'll be back January 13th with all new episodes with cool, interesting people who are book lovers, too. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Amy. So, <laughs> low we're low energy. energy right now. This is our last episode of 2020. And we are we're tired. tired. This year has worn us out. <laughs> so we thought we would talk about some books that we read that maybe we never got a chance to discuss on the show that were memorable to us. Well, first of all, I want to ask you a question. I mean, we're not really super okay. competitive about this, but... <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Do you know how many books you've read this year so far? Let's see. According to the Goodreads 2020 Challenge, I have read 106 okay. books. But I am this close to finishing one of the ones I'm going to talk about. Okay. So it's possible I could squeeze in a couple more okay. before December 31st. All right. How about you? I, How close? I know you have, have me beat. Well, I have you beat by a couple. I'm at 110. My Goodreads huh? challenge says I'm at 113, but that's not completely accurate because what I have found is that I reread a couple books this year that I had read in the past and it counted it uh -huh. twice. I don't know why. Yeah. Oh. And then also my husband and my Kindle are connected. And there was a book that's on our Kindle that he read. And for some reason, Goodreads counted it towards my count. 
So I'm subtracting oh. those and I get 110. Gotcha. And I, I definitely gotcha. think I'll get okay. through several more books this year, but I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. Especially since we said we were never going to read know, books ever again after yeah. last year. But you know why? The pandemic. I mean, we haven't been going anywhere That's or doing true. anything. What else do we have to do besides yeah. read? That's true. And I will say several of mine are because I read some short fiction by authors mm-hmm. on Amazon. If you're an Amazon Prime member, they have several short story collections and different themes. and you can read them for free. Fiction. They're Amazon originals and they contract with different authors to write stories on that theme. And the nice thing about them is you sort of check them out and it's free. And it also comes with audio. So if you'd rather listen to the audio, you can. Anyway, so I read maybe five of those this year. One collection, they have three or four different collections, but they had some authors doing it. Lisa Jewell, uh, N.K. Jemison, Amor Tolls. I mean, they're high quality hmm. authors. Ruth Ware. Anyway, but let's get to the meat of what we're talking about. So what are some books, Carrie, that you read this year that are memorable to you, but you didn't get a chance to talk about on the show? Okay, so I got oh, four. Okay. So one of them, Amy, you're actually reading right now. So the Louisville Zoo is doing this really cool thing that Amy, you told me about because I never know what's going on in general. So the Louisville Zoo is having a book club where they tell you the book and then we haven't done it yet. It's supposed to happen, I think, right around when this episode airs. They tell you the book and then we read the book and then I think they're going to have something where we talk to somebody from the zoo about, I guess, the animal that relates to the nonfiction book that we're reading. So the book is called A Polar Affair, Antarctica's Forgotten Hero and the Secret Love Lives of Penguins. And it's by Lloyd Spencer Davis. And I I have to say, I'm finding it really, really interesting. And I don't know if that's just because I like creative nonfiction, but this weaves the story. So this the author is a penguin biologist he's studied penguins his entire career so he interweaves his experience along with information about penguins and how they mate and then he weaves that in with the story of the norwegian and english explorers who were the first well the norwegians were the first ones to reach the south pole And the English explorers, five of them who were trying to get to the South Pole, died. And they kind of got all the glory, Mm -hmm. right? But the ones who survived didn't. And I don't know. I I mean, you're reading Mm -hmm. it too. I think it's really fascinating. At first, I was like, eh. But the more I read it, the more it gives me, I don't know. It just gives me a lot to think about. And I think coinciding with the fact that we just interviewed Tori Murden McClure and she was, you know, I mean, this explorer in, in a lot of ways, an athlete taking on this challenge, fighting against nature. I, I just think it's very fascinating. And I'm excited about what the zoo's going to talk about, you know, in relation to this book. Well, so, then there's a whole other layer to it, which is about the research that he's doing about the sex lives. I mean, it's a little bit about the, the, the censorship. censorship of science because penguins 
there are a lot of bisexual, I guess you would say, penguins. And in England, they wouldn't publish that, the findings, because it didn't meet their sexual stereotypes or sexual rules. Right. And well, and, and just in general, you know, the fact that they researchers, scientists in the early 1900s believe that penguins were monogamous, you know, that a male penguin and a female penguin would mate for life and they would always return and mate with each other. And so it very much fed into some of these Victorian ideals of what uh, marriage should be. And penguins don't do that. Not only do they not mate for life, this book talks about how a male penguin will more or less bonk a dead penguin, you know, (laughs) they just, (laughs) they don't get like, they're engaging in a whole lot of behaviors that a lot of humans would poo poo and look down their nose at necrophilia sort of being understandable. But anyway, you know, so it's kind of like, was he censored or did he self-censor the specific gentleman, George Murray Levick? So I think it's been uh, a really interesting read. uh, And I just, I think it's a really cool idea that yeah. the zoo, you know, came up I'm with. I'm enjoying so. it also. I think it's a good book to read in the wintertime because so much of it mm. is taking place at the North Pole, the South Pole. And so if you like something that's in the wintertime that's set in a cold place, um, that would be good. And I'm like you, I'm I'm interested in what the zoo's going to do. I'm, I'm just excited to have something that pushes me to read some more creative nonfiction that maybe I wouldn't normally pick up. So, yeah. Good one. Yeah. Let me hear one of yours. What was one of your This is one that you have read as well. It was a book that our book club read back in the summer. It's called Words in Deep Blue by Kath Crowley. And, you know, I'm sort of into these feel-good reads right now. And this is definitely a quick, charming read. It is a young adult romance that's set in a bookstore, I think in Scotland. And one of the protagonists families owns the bookstore and the family lives above it. And the whole family takes part in running the bookstore. They take part in making decisions about the bookstore. There is a special room of the bookstore where customers can go in and leave other people messages in books. And this is how a budding romance um, begins. I'm not going to tell you too much about the book. It's a quick, charming read. It's not too terribly sappy. And it's set in a bookstore. And what more could you want? I think this would be a really cozy book to read over the holidays, even though it's not set. It's not set during the holidays, but it's just a feel good book. And I know you read it, too. I read it, too. And I liked it. And that's saying a lot because I can't always say that with some of the book club books. (laughs) Well, and pretty much everybody in our book club liked it. Now, I wouldn't say that it sparked a huge amount of discussion. I'm not necessarily saying that this is a a super deep book, but it's a fun, it's a fun little book. Right. But it's not, uh, you know, a lot of times books, if they're fun, a lot of times they feel mindless. Mm -hmm. And this was like smart and witty and it had to do with I mean like they mentioned different writers and stuff like that so so it was very like if you're a book nerd and you like things that make your brain work a little more this it's lighter fare yes I don't know it still feels like enjoyable I guess is what I'm saying yeah so So what about you what's what's your next one Okay, so I listened to an audiobook. I was looking for something short again because I'm striving to find shorter audiobooks. 
And I found this book of essays. It's called Nothing is Wrong and Here is Why. And it's uh, written by Alexandra Petri. And she is a writer, I believe, with the Washington Post. And she writes satire. Now, I like satire. And so I really enjoyed this because I like satire. And one of the essays is actually, basically, it takes Samuel Beckett's play, Waiting for Godot. And it retells that, but in terms of modern political events. So I I thought that was very smart. She had a lot of literary and historical allusions that I like. Now, the downside of this is that you basically relive the Trump administration. (laughs) So if that was painful the first time around... It forces you to remember all the decisions dating from 2016 that you may have disagreed with from the Trump administration. So I have not loved the Trump administration, which made me have to take a, you know, like a brief pause in listening to this because I kind of felt a little bit of like, oh my gosh, that happened. You forget a lot in four years. And so this made me remember things that happened and we're just so many people are just so tired of all the chaos. So it was kind of at times hard to listen to. Like I said, fortunately, there was wit and humor and intellectualism that helped me want to continue. So so humor Um, made help make the medicine go down a little bit. A little bit, but it was still like, oh my gosh, I forgot about this. Oh, you know, I I had a number of those those moments when I was listening to it. So maybe, maybe had I known that I might have waited (laughs) a little longer. So maybe in the next year might be better to maybe, but you know, you have to be a political junkie to enjoy it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to be aware. I follow her on Twitter, you know, so I see her stuff retweeted. So I was familiar with her. I guess that's why it interested me. I didn't realize she had a book. So I have read her essays before. And so that's what attracted me. So if you don't follow politics at all, and you don't like satire, then this is going to do absolutely nothing for you. And I say, just carry on with whatever does. Move along. Move along. Don't don't stop. All right. What's your next one? This was actually two combined into one. But right around Halloween, I read a book called Shirley by Susan Scarf Merrill. And it's a fictionalized account of the last few years of Shirley Jackson's life. Uh, Shirley Jackson is the author who wrote The Haunting of Hill House. And she wrote a couple of books, but she wrote lots and lots of short stories. And so I was reading this concurrently with the collected short stories of Shirley Jackson called The Lottery and Other Short Stories. So back to the book, Shirley, it's the last few years of her life seen through the eyes of a young wife of a newly hired college professor at Bennington College. And this couple lives with uh, Shirley Jackson and her husband, Stanley Edgar Hyman, who is the famed literary critic, and he's a professor at Bennington as well. And, you know, Having read them concurrently, it was really interesting. It gave me a lot of insight into Shirley Jackson's stories. I could see some of the influence based on parts of her life. Many of her stories seem to center around people and things not really being 
the way they appear, things aren't the way they seem. And you can see that in Merrill's mm-hmm. account of Jackson's uh, life as well. She's she's like this frustrated 1950s housewife who uses writing is partly sort of her therapy as well. And and in the end, she's more remembered than her husband was. And at the time, her husband was famous and not so much her. But the uh, author, Susan Scarf Merrill, did a lot of research into into Jackson's life. And a lot of the things that happen in the book did happen in, in real life, although this couple th- that's living with them is fictional. But it was, it was really thought-provoking about her life and sort of the frustrated creative woman and actually this book has been adapted into a movie that stars elizabeth moss from the handmaid's tale oh wasn't the speed showing that i'm not sure it was supposed to have come out i think in the theaters but because it came out in the summer and covid it might have gone straight to you know netflix it's on one of the streaming services now i have not seen it okay but i'm anxious i'm anxious to watch it so that's my okay. two wrapped up oh. into one right there. What's Very your next? Uh, okay. So I listened. This was another audio book. I listened to it sometime this year. The Girl yeah. Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. It won, I want to say, a Newbery Award. And it's just, it's a story about Luna. There's this town and they have this weird ritual that they do every year where they force a woman to give up her baby and they leave it in the woods. And, you know, you, you start listening to the story and you think, oh my gosh, these crazy people, you know, why, why do they do this? And then I won't say too much, but you discover what happens to these babies and there's a witch and there's like a swamp monster and there's the mother of the baby who is left at the beginning of the story. And kind of, you find out how all of these connect with each other. And sometimes you read a book a month later, you remember nothing about it, but this is a book that I thought it was delightful and, and a great story for kids. I mean, just totally fantastic. And I could see why, why it won an award. So I, I enjoyed it. I listened to that one as well. So a couple of years ago, it was not for me. But I can understand why people liked it. And I did enjoy the audiobook version. It was a, maybe a little too fantastical for me. Yeah. If fantasy yeah. is your jam and it's yeah. kind of my jam, then then check it out. So, this all right. What's your next one? one? Um, and this one is oh, okay. a new release. It came out this year. It's called The Third Rainbow Girl, The Long Life of a Double Murder in Appalachia by Emma Copley Eisenberg. And this book is part memoir, part true crime. The author grew up in New York City, went to prestigious schools, but after graduation decided to participate in the VISTA program, which is a national service program designed to help alleviate poverty. And it was started by President Kennedy back in the 1960s. And so Eisenberg participated by going to rural West Virginia to work at an all-girls camp and academic center to help teen girls in the area finish high school and go to college. So you have the the memoir of the author working in Pocahontas County, West Virginia, but that story is also intertwined with the story of a double murder of two young adult women 30 years earlier in almost the exact same spot where the camp is. And these two young women were on their way to the Rainbow Gathering, which was sort of a hippie festival 
in Pocahontas County, West Virginia in the 19, I think it was year 1980. And they had hitchhiked there from across the country and they were found murdered in a state park. And much of the book explores the murder and who committed it. And there's two different theories uh, on it. And she interviews all kinds of people for the book. And this book explores issues of toxic masculinity at Appalachia. It explores how violence can radiate out and affect multiple layers of people and generations. It was an interesting way that she interwove her story and the murder investigations, because in some ways they're not related at all. But, you know, it happened in the same place and her having lived in this area and coming to love it, it, the story had quite an impact on her. I'm not sure if she was entirely successful weaving these two storylines together, but the book was really thought provoking. It kept me interested. I listened to it as an audiobook and and she narrates it and and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I will say I was drawn to this book because West Virginia is my home state and I have visited that part of the state multiple times and I like true crime and actually I've learned things about my home state that I never knew before because she she spends a lot of times describing the history of this area of Appalachia uh, to the reader. So anyway, I think if you like true crime, you would enjoy it and also if you are interested in rural Appalachia or just Appalachia in general. So the author didn't know this story before right. she went and right. lived there. Mm-hmm. Huh? Right. Huh. That would sort of freak me out. Like, yeah. Ooh, well, and what know. happens is, but maybe, maybe you know, what you did. go through the whole case and they ended up convicting some local men for the murders. But what happens is there is a serial killer who is imprisoned, who admits many times to, these murders. So there's competing stories. Some people in law enforcement didn't believe the serial killer. They thought maybe he was just taking claim for it. The local men, it doesn't really make sense why they would have committed that murder. So that's part of the interesting part of the true crime part of the book. So do you have one last one? I have one last one. Yeah. You know, it just occurred to me. I know when I was like, why didn't I talk about these? Because I was listening to these like in the height of quarantine. And so I I think my brain just wasn't together. But the last one is called Boom by Mark Haddon. I don't think I talked about this one. Anyway, it was an audio book. Mark Haddon wrote The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Mm -hmm. Night, which our book club read several years ago. And I like that book. So I was intrigued. So Boom, it's actually a book for middle grade. And it's the story of these two kids who they discover that their teachers are acting a little weird. And they discover something about their teachers that is pretty unbelievable. Uh, So I won't tell you what that is, just in case, you know, kind of to build suspense. But again, so, you know, I like fantasy and this was definitely that fantasy story, but it's kind of like a a little bit of a mystery too, because they're trying to figure out like what's going on and what's the deal. And so I remember I was listening to this when I was, again, stuck in the house and I was painting my hutch, you know, and so it was just a good escapist story to get my mind off of real life. So, you know, and again, I think it would be something that probably fourth, fifth, sixth and up 
kids would be interested in, especially if they like otherworldly stories with a little bit of okay, mystery. Okay, that's what them. I was going to ask you is how do you, you would categorize it. So it's sort of a mystery thriller? With other worlds, okay. too. So there's some fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah more, more fantasy than sci-fi. Okay. I wouldn't say sci-fi, okay. really. I, I thought it was a good story, and, and it was very different from... The curious incident of the dog in the night. Mm-hmm. So, because that one, um, no fans. So, I think yet. that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I was a little bit surprised by this being so completely different. As a reader, sometimes you read something that an author does, and you kind of expect that that's what they do. So, it was interesting that this author obviously does lots of different things. So, anyway, those are my. Well, four. We covered a lot of ground. We had a YA romance, creative nonfiction, true crime. Satire, yeah. We cover quite a bit of ground. Good job. Yeah. We should pat yeah. ourselves on the back. We should. And and the, and the year's not I over know. yet. So well, we'll talk about those yeah. next year, next season. Whole... That sounds good. Season four. what will it be? Four? four. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we'll we're going to be taking a break where we can read, so we'll have more interesting stuff to talk about then. Okay. Amy had a brilliant idea, one of many brilliant ideas, and it was to ask some of our past guests what their favorite book that they read in 2020 was. And it didn't have to be a book that came out in 2020, just a book that they read in 2020 that was their favorite. And so we had a number of people who were game and who sent us recordings so they could share with us and with our listeners their favorite book of 2020. Hi, my name is Anita Martin. I was a guest in season two, episode 44. In 2020, I chose to read more small press books by authors who published this year. My favorite was Bravish by Margaret Gilmetti. The subtitle is A Memoir of a Recovering Perfectionist. Margaret was a trailing spouse who gave up her career to follow her husband's career. He was a luxury hotel general manager. They lived in four continents and visited about 50 countries. I really like this book because Margaret is witty, funny, and a really good storyteller. And of course, she had lots of stories to tell about all the experiences of living in all these places. She committed a whole lot of cultural faux pas and had a whole lot of learning to do to get around. Many of her friends saw her as living a life of luxury, which she was living a good life, but she also experienced loneliness and struggled with perfectionism, which stemmed from her childhood. So it was a good balanced book. Some parts were funny, some parts were sad, hopeful, a good balance of emotion. So I really enjoyed reading it. I thought it was entertaining and thought-provoking. And uh, she ended the book, or actually on her website, she uh, has a quote that says, It's never too late to reconnect with our authentic selves if we dare to put our lives first at last. And I think that's a really good message from this book. Hi, my name is Diane New. I was a guest in Season 2, Episode 42. One of my favorite books that I read in 2020 was The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. I love this book because it was like a magical warm hug with some of the most delightful and imaginative characters, truly what my reading life needed in 2020, and it's a book that I think about often and look forward to rereading in the future. 
Hi, my name is Tamika. I was a guest in Season 3, Episode 57. My favorite book that I read in 2020 was Cinderella is Dead by Kaylin Bayron. I liked it because the main themes of the novel are do not be silent, raise your voice, and be a light in the dark. Hi, my name is Tabby Pavlitsky. I was a guest on episode 61 of season three. My favorite book that I read in 2020 was Maurice. I set out to read all of Ian Forster's six novels this year, and while I loved all of them, Maurice was the leader of the pack. It is a queer novel that was not published until after Forster's death because homosexuality was against the law in the UK until 1967. This is the book where Forster put all of his passion and emotion. Maurice will absolutely break your heart and then put it back together again. It's beautiful and uplifting and will make you laugh and cry. I also recommend The Merchant Ivory Dramatization, which is as near perfect as an adaptation can get. Hi, my name is Robin Elise Weiss. I was a guest in Season 2, Episode 45. My favorite book that I read in 2020 was The Never Game by Jeffrey Deaver. I really liked it because it was a little bit of action and adventure, and yet it had enough mental stimulation to get my brain going in a way that I don't do in my normal day. It certainly got me out of the daily ritual of my humdrum life. So if you're looking for a little action and adventure, I highly recommend Jeffrey Deaver's The Never Game. Hi, this is Mindy Jett, and I was a guest in episode 72 about YA literature. And my favorite book of 2020 is, surprise, surprise, a YA book. It's called Dash and Lily's Book of Dares by David Levithan and Rachel Cohn. I actually just read it. I finished it maybe two days ago. Amy and I actually buddy read it together so that we could talk about it. It is about a boy who finds a mysterious notebook inside the Strand bookstore and it takes him on sort of like a scavenger hunt and then he decides to respond back with the scavenger hunt and he and this girl dare each other to do things to step out of their comfort zone and it's kind of all about those adventures and how they end up in the end. Uh, It's got everything I love. Quirky characters. Both the characters are very quirky, have their little idiosyncrasies. It has humorous twists and turns. I definitely felt myself laughing out loud many times in this book. And the plot includes a bookstore and several book references. So I came away with a list of books that I'd like to read and also some nostalgia for some books that I'd already read. Uh, It's a great read. It's a quick read and um, it's a feel good story. Hello, my name is Robert Eric Shoemaker. I was a guest in Season 2, Episode 33. My favorite book that I read in 2020 was Protection Spell by Jennifer Givon. I liked it because this poetry collection is moving, personal, gorgeous, and timely. Givon centers her collection on her relationships with her family and with race, forging protection spells for those she loves and wards against the pains of contemporary America and the world. I loved it and I highly recommend it. Hi, my name is Ellen Burkett Morris. I was a guest in season three, episode 59. My favorite book that I read in 2020 was Writers and Lovers by Lily King. I liked it because I really felt like I was in the character's body and mind. 
I am Ann Baker, and I'm honored to have been the first guest of the podcast, Perks of Being a Book Lover. My favorite book of 2020 is Ann Paget's The Dutch House. It is an in-depth character exploration of a young boy, his sister, and the house that their father bought for their mother. The story follows the brother and sister as they age into adulthood. It is wonderfully written and beautifully delivered. This is Neve Lutz from episode 36. My favorite read this year was Winter Solstice by Rosamund Pilcher. The story takes place in uh, England and in Scotland. And Rosamund um, does a really good job of describing the characters and the settings and weaving those characters toward each other uh, in the story. Elfrida Phipps is the main character and she uh, is living in a small little town outside of London called Dibton. And uh, she becomes involved in um, the lives of a family there and then tragedy happens and the story then moves to Scotland. I was reading this book during the summertime, which was warm here in Louisville, but it was nice to feel the chill of the uh, Scottish winter described in the story. This year was pretty difficult for me to read and I felt very comfortable reading this book. It uh, helped take my um, mind off what was going on in the world at the time and felt very familiar, uh, kind of like a Maeve Binchy novel in that respect. So the same way that Maeve Binchy does a great job describing t- characters and settings, Pilcher does too. And, uh, and I guess that's why I really enjoyed this book. So that's Winter Solstice by Rosamund Pilcher. Hi, my name is Katie Yoakum. I was a guest on season two, episode 35. My favorite book that I read in 2020 was Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I liked it because it's an insightful and encouraging wake-up call for women to stop trying to please other people and start listening to their own true voices. Hi there, I'm Trisha Taylor. I was a guest in season one, episode two, and my favorite book I read in 2020 is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I love this book because of the emphasis it placed on self-reflection. It dealt with the idea of how our choices affect the course of our lives, the enormous weight of regrets and holding on to them, and finding out what happiness can look like when we let go and learn to get out of our own way. Carrie, we have tried to record this bit at least four times, I think. I don't know. I've just given up almost caring. <laughs> and I'd really like to be drinking a glass of wine right about now, but it's the middle of the day, so I'm just going to have a nice cup of tea okay. while we talk. So we've had guests tell us about their favorite book of 2020, so I guess that we should do the same. That sounds good. I've got one. Okay, my what's t- your one? My top book that I read in 2020 was Sing, Unburied, Sing by Jesmyn Ward. That's it. I like it how your top book never changes. Because we've done, like I said, we've done this three or four times and it never changes. So I know that that must mean it really is your top book. And you are a bit of a Jesmyn Ward fan girl. Yes. And I am. And also I'm committed. I'm going with it. That's how I make decisions. I make a decision and I'm like, I do it. That book hits all the marks. It's interesting. 
it's poignant, it's deep, it hits all the marks. So that's why I'm sticking with it. Cool. Okay. Now, I am much more wishy-washy than you. My whole personality is much more wishy-washy than you. So before I can pick my top book, I need you to pick a number between one and five. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Three. Okay. All right. Well, according to Carrie's dice roll there, (laughs) her picking of the number... My favorite book of 2020 was The One and Only Ivan and The One and Only Bob by Catherine Applegate, which I did really love. And when we recorded this at least two other times, I think I said that's what my favorite book was. It's a middle grade book, but it's also awesome for middle-aged people just like me. Uh, It has all the feels. It's sad. It's funny. It's poignant. I couldn't ask for anything more. And I also love the one and only Bob. I'm going to get a second one in here. That's the follow-up that's about the stray dog. And I listened to the audiobook with Danny DeVito. And it was the best birthday present I got. Do you really have a list? And I picked your top five. Like you, yes, you absolutely. You couldn't narrow it down any, any further? No. I have five on this list. And first I had one of my children pick a number and then I thought it would actually be better if I just had you pick a number because they're not invested in it at all. All right. There you go. That sounds good. All right. So (laughs) now we need to talk about what books we want to read in 2021. And they don't have to be books that are coming out in 2021 because that's just way, that's way more hip than what I am to even know what's coming out next year. I don't know. So mm-hmm. do you have, do you have, I, I know you have some books on your list. We've done this four times. Of course you have books on your list. I do. And actually my list, this hasn't changed that much since we did this <laughs> before. Um, that was like two days ago. List, I know. <laughs> it could have changed though, honestly, because I have added more books to my TBR since we recorded this two days ago, but I'm going to keep the same list. Okay. So. The first one on my list is actually not going to be out till February. It is a book called This Close to Okay by Lisa Cross Smith. And she is a Louisville writer, but she's making quite a name for herself as a Black Southern writer. And this book has a character in it that she expands upon that was in her first book that I read called Whiskey and Ribbons. So the premise of this book, I think, is that there is a therapist who's recently divorced As she's driving home, she sees a man who looks like he's going to try to jump off of a bridge and end his life. She talks him out of that, and they develop a relationship. I am not sure of the type of relationship they have. I don't know if it's a friendship, if it's a romantic relationship. I'm not sure, but I loved Whiskey and Ribbons, and I'm all there for this new book by Lisa Cross Smith. Very good. All right. Okay, what's what's on yours? One of my books is called Six Souls, Healthy Minds, How William James Can Save Your Life by John Cagg. Okay, so the Louisville Free Public Library's website and Libby and everything was down because of the explosion in Nashville. And so there were a couple days this week where I was not able to listen to an audiobook. So I was listening to the NPR podcast, To the Best of Our Knowledge, and I heard about this book on that podcast, and it sounded fascinating. So William James was a psychologist and philosopher, and he was also the brother of Henry James, who wrote Turn of the Screw and 
Daisy Buchanan, I think. I can't remember. Anyway. Daisy Miller. Is it Daisy Miller? Miller. Okay. Okay. I was thinking Daisy Buchanan. That's in The Great Gatsby, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Daisy Miller. So William James was a psychologist, but he also struggled with depression and anxiety. So John Cagg talks about in this book, from what I understand, obviously haven't read it, about what we can learn from William James about being mentally healthy. For me, it it hit that sweet spot of mental health and literature. So I thought it sounded kind of interesting. So I put that on my list. All right. What's your number two? My number two is not going to be a huge surprise to you because it is our January book club pick, which actually is your pick. And it's The Murmur of Bees by Sofia Segovia. She's a Mexican author. So this is translated from the Spanish. I don't know a huge amount about it, but Robin Weiss, a former guest of ours, talked about it on the show. And also a friend of mine who has very similar book taste to me read it emailed me and said that it was a must read for me. So I'm excited to read that. I'm going to start it soon. I think it's historical fiction. Yeah. How are you doing with it? I like it a lot. It's a really interesting story. It is historical fiction, but it's also got sort of this magical realism flavor to it. So I'm maybe only like 30, 35% of the way done. I mean, it's a pretty long book, but it's definitely something that I am getting through quickly and I'm enjoying it. So I think you will too. Good. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. What's what's up next on your list? All right. So the next book is Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell and it's a novel. So William Shakespeare had a son named Hamnet who died when he was, I think, around 11 years old. And several years later is when Shakespeare wrote Hamlet. So I teach Hamlet, and I just thought this sounded really fascinating. So it is a novel, but I'm sure that it's it's based on, you know, research and stuff like that. So after reading or listening to that Bill Bryson audiobook about Shakespeare, it, it sort of reminds me again that we really know very little about William Shakespeare. Probably most things about Shakespeare are to some extent fictionalized because we just don't know very much. Yeah, I've heard great things about that one. That one's on my TBR also. So we'll have to compare notes. Yeah, my next one is a foodie memoir, and I love a good foodie memoir. Um, This one's called Eat a Peach by David Chang. It came out this year. David Chang is the owner of several restaurants in New York City. I think the one that's most famous is Momofuku. And so this is his memoir about growing up in a Korean-American family, but he also deals with uh, bipolar disorder And he also talks about suddenly becoming a a celebrity chef without really intending to and the stressors that are involved with that. It's not all that it's cracked up to be necessarily. I actually got this on National Independent Bookstore Day because our local bookstore, Carmichael Books, was having a giveaway where if you bought $25 worth of merchandise, you could get a mystery book. And they had a whole table of books wrapped up in brown wrapping paper with a description on the outside. And I think this one said cool foodie memoir. I grabbed it and I'm excited to read it. And my son works in the culinary world and he would eventually like to be an executive chef of his own someday. And so there's another layer of my being interested in reading it. So you can warn him of any pitfalls that that you see that's right well he used to really like reading the anthony bourdain books so i'm always looking for another 
memoir of a chef that I think could have some interesting things to say, you know, about the culinary world, that would be good for him to know. So what's what's your next one? All right. Number three is a book that I bought myself for Christmas. It is Once and Future Witches by Alex Harrow. She was one of our guests and I loved her first book and I'm fairly certain I'm going to love this book. So I, I have got it. I don't think I've brought it upstairs yet. It's still under the tree, but I am. Oh, wow. I'm psyched. That's on my list too. You know, our lists do overlap a bit. I've already bought it. My husband has read it. It is now on my nightstand. And it could have very possibly been in my top five that I want to read. But my top five really depends on (laughs) my my feelings. What hour of the day it is. Which books I see first on my TBR. So, you know. Like I said, I'm much more wishy-washy than you, Carrie. (laughs) All right. What's your next one? My next one is called The Book of Eels, Our Enduring Fascination with the Most Mysterious Creature in the Natural World by Patrick Svensson. So both of us, I think, read several books this year that were nature-focused. I mean, I read one about coyotes. I read one about snails. You read one about octopi octopuses um, octopuses and we both read one with the louisville zoo about that had something to do with penguins right so that's definitely a, a genre that i am drawn to and this book what attracted me to it i think was that eels freak me out <laughs> they remind me of snakes and i have a phobia of snakes and i don't know there's just something kind of weird about them and i saw this on i don't know some book riot list i think and Apparently, eels are very mysterious, even with the scientific world. Like, no one's ever seen them mate. No one's ever seen them give birth. And to me, there's the whole, like, gross factor. It, like, brings out my inner 10-year-old boy because they're, like, slimy. And I don't know. They're just mysterious, and I want to know more about them. I believe that this book is translated from the Danish. But I will let you know if next year you need to crochet me an eel. (laughs) Okay, that sounds good. (laughs) That shouldn't be too hard. (laughs) All right, my next book is the third book in a trilogy. So I'm a fan of N.K. Jemisin. The third book in her Broken Earth series is called The Stone Sky. The first book I read... The second book I listened to as an audiobook, and I've decided that next year I'm going to finish up the trilogy. I don't know which way I'm going to do it. I don't know, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll be totally different and read it on Kindle. I don't know, but I'm going to finish up that series. I feel like you should do it that way. It's sort of like the planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Yeah. Like you read yeah. one, a hardback, one by audio. Now it's time to do the Kindle. That's right. So maybe that's what I'll do. I want to find out ultimately what happens. I, I feel like I'm sort of invested in these characters now. And and you're not always a series fan so yeah most of the time I'm not not a series fan I think because the way she writes her characters there's enough there there's enough suspense and and she's created this whole world so you really can't imagine or at least I can't imagine what she might do right in this world that she created and then I feel like the characters that she creates have a depth that makes me care about them and feel sort of invested in their story. A lot of times I can read one book in a series and I don't care about the characters enough to keep reading. 
you know, I read The Ender Game, pretty much every book in that series about Orson Scott Card. I read Dune series. They seem to be sci-fi. Yeah, they, yeah, they are sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, they are sci-fi. So yeah, that's kind of weird. But yeah, other books, mm-hmm. like I read Divergent, kind of with The yeah. Hunger Games. I read the first book. I'm like, I'm done. I don't, I don't need to read anymore. So yeah, maybe it's something about sci-fi writers. Or fantasy, because Lord of the Rings is fantasy. So maybe there's enough that I'm just curious enough. I mean, you know, that's putting her with some, you know, that that's a pretty powerful group of writers there. So, but I, I'm a big fan okay. of her work. Okay. All right. What's your next one? Are you on number four? Have you snuck in any extra books in this? Because it's no, supposed to be top five. No, this is my five. last one. That okay. I, it seems like, yeah, this is the last one that I have. I mean, I could come up with Well, 30. Yeah. More. I mean... The, the last one I have on here is called, oh, I do remember one that I forgot to put on. Uh, okay. I have two more. Stick There's with it. No, I, no, no, I no, 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 no. my whole list no, again. No, no. Stick no? with it. No. no. You're not adding uh, new ones. No. Okay. Sharks in the Time of Saviors by Kwai Strong Washburn. And this book was actually on Obama's top books of 2020. And it is the story of a young boy on a cruise through Hawaii and he falls off of the ship and a group of sharks come and deliver him back to his mother. And there's a lot of Hawaiian folklore in this. Uh, What compelled me to want to read it is that our book club read a book in December called Molokai by Alan Brennert that was historical fiction set in Hawaii primarily on the leper colony of the island of Molokai. And so that piqued my interest about Hawaiian culture, native culture, folklore, legends, that kind of thing. And so I believe that this book has a lot of that in it, a little bit of magical realism. And so I'm excited to read that. Do you have one more? I do. So I was looking at my Goodreads list and this was on there twice. So <laughs> I thought, well, I must really want to read this book if I've seen it twice and marked it as want to read. So it's The Whisper Man by Alex North. One of our early guests, uh, Fadi Muhammad, had mentioned this book. And I really don't know anything about it. I think it's spooky, but that's the it extent is. of It's supposed my... to be spooky and creepy. Yeah. But I kind of like spooky yeah. and creepy books. So those are my, I guess, my top five that, that I would like to read. I'm going to sneak. I know you told me I couldn't, but I'm going to sneak another one in here. Just one more. It won't take me but a second. All right. Go for it. (laughs) Okay. This one's called Lakewood by Megan Giddings. And it's supposed to be a cross uh, between The Handmaid's Tale and The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. And I believe that it's set in current day or maybe slightly in the future. But it's sort of a book about race and medical experimentation and it intrigued me because I'm thinking right now about the COVID vaccine that's out and there are pockets of our population that is hesitant to get the vaccine, including a lot of black Americans, but for good reason, because of past history of medicine not always treating them kindly and treating them more like a science experiment. So this book intrigued me. And that's all I'll say about it, because I know that you want me to keep my list to five. So I'll say that's five and a half. <laughs> All right. Very Do good. Do you have any you have any goals? Any reading goals for 2021, Carrie? Nope. No goals. No. I don't My- like to set goals. Cuz then it starts <laughs> to feel like work. 
Like, right. it just feels like work. Now, I will say, I did do the reading challenge on Goodreads, but I only did it, like, early December. I just put in a certain number. Like, I just picked, oh, 85. And then it automatically told me how many I had read. So I didn't do it, actually, as a goal-setting tool. I used it as a quickly tell me how many books I've read on Goodreads for the year. So Right. I do like setting the goal because it does help me. I don't know. I like being able to see how many I've read. I like to be able to see how many I read in previous years because it kind of shows me how far I've come. I don't think I get quite as compulsive about it as you. I mean, I do like to beat you, but I don't think I get as compulsive (laughs) about it as you. Yeah, I just I have I know from having successfully driven crazy by a Fitbit. Like Fitbits take the joy out of walking and book challenges for me personally take the joy out of reading. It's just bad news. I don't know. I'm staying away from it. Okay. Amy, yes, do you have right. any reading goals? I do have a little bit of a reading goal and that I would like to read more poetry because I don't read any poetry right now. I know you read a few selections last year, some collections. I don't really read any and I'd like to read more. I used to write poetry in high school and college. So it seems kind of strange that I don't read any, but I'd like to do that. I'd like to continue reading more short story collections. I started to do that at the end of 2020. And then the final thing is I'd like to try some romance. Smart romance. I think it's not my thing, but who knows? And I don't want to be judgmental or, you know, prejudiced against certain book genres. Well, I can see that. I, I would like to read a romance. Uh, just, it's kind of like Stephen King. I didn't think I liked Stephen King, but I was basing that on nothing. Like, basing that on what I thought Stephen King books were like. And then I read his on writing that you recommended to me. And then I read one of his books and I liked it. So maybe I'll add that in a very informal, non-goal way. I'll say, I'd like to read a romance. Maybe we should do that as a buddy read. That, that'd be good. That'd be good. A buddy read? Yeah. In fact, I had a conversation with Mindy Chet about YA lit. She and I did a buddy read of a young adult novel called Dash and Lily's Book of Dares, uh, which I think she has mentioned it was her favorite book of the year. But I think she and I are going to continue that on occasion, read a YA book together. So that's kind of fun. Well, that's it. I think that's all we have to say about 2020, Carrie. I'm ready to put this year to bed. Me too. Happy New Year's, everybody. We'll see you in 2021. Happy Arbitrary Time Delineation Day, everybody. And we're going to send 2020 off with a few more of our former guests telling us about their favorite books of 2020. My name is Jenny Mulhall. I was a guest on Season 1, Episode 2. My favorite read from 2020 was The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane by Kate DiCamillo. It was one of the most beautiful stories I've ever read, a story of hope and love, which was something we sorely needed in this crazy year. My name is Kim Vidrine, and I was a guest in Season 1, Episode 7. One of my favorite books of 2020 was This Is How It Always Is by Laurie Frankel. This book came to my attention because last year as a high school English teacher, I was teaching my first transgender student. Another teacher mentioned this book to me and actually bought me a copy. 
I was absolutely blown away by the nuanced portrayal of the family at the heart of this book, as well as by the way the idea of storytelling as essential to our survival is woven throughout the text. I cannot recommend this lyrical tribute to stories and family heartily enough. Hello, this is Holly MacArthur, and I was a guest on Season 1, Episode 12. I did a lot of reading in 2020, and my favorite book of the year was The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. I love when I come across a book that I want to devour in a single sitting, yet it's so well written that I don't want the story to come to an end. The Vanishing Half was definitely that book for me this year. It was a powerful and thought-provoking novel about family, community, and identity. Hi, my name is Bobby Kahn. I was a guest on Season 2, Episode 50. My favorite book that I read in 2020 is Winter Loon by Susan Bernard. I enjoyed this book because it had an unexpected happy ending that was complex and yet believable. Hi, my name is Kim Esposito, and the book that I read in 2020 was It All Comes Back to You by Beth Duke. I liked it because I loved the way she described all the characters and it was uh, the story unraveling between the present and what has happened in the past and then it all comes together in the end. Hi, my name is Amy Miller. I was a guest in season one, episode 23. My favorite book that I read in 2020 was World of Wonders, In Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments by Amy Nezukumatahil. I liked it because it reminded me that during a crazy, wacky 2020, that there are still beautiful things in the world if you just stop and quiet down and notice. It's an astonishing book. Hi, my name is Dee Dee Cummings. I was a guest in Season 3, Episode 64. My favorite book that I read in 2020 was Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adiemi. I liked it because of its rich story and fantastic characters, but also because I got to meet her at the Louisville Book Festival in 2020. Hi, my name is Andrew Schaefer. I was a guest in Season 3, Episode 66. One of my favorite reads of the year is The Ice Storm by Rick Moody. It came out in the mid-90s. I'd seen the movie, uh, which stars uh, Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Kline, uh, many years ago. Uh, Great film by Ang Lee. And I had never picked up the book. And so I did this year. It takes place during an ice storm. You're not going to call a book The Ice Storm without having an ice storm in it. There are cars spinning out of control. There are lives spinning out of control. It is a little racy. Uh, It's set in the 1970s at a key party. Uh, If you don't know what that is, uh, ask your parents. But it's got drugs, sex, alcohol. Did I say drugs? It's got a lot of stuff going on. It's just a really fun book. So that's my pick for the year. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes for any episode, please go to our blog site at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. 
If you enjoy our show, spread the word and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find us. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots, community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.